from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, friends of Talking Catholic. This is Marianela Nunez and my friend co-host here, uh, Mike Walsh. Uh, we are here one more time with another episode of Talking Catholic. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well. We're uh, we're recording, and I always like to tell the listeners where we are, and uh, we're back in the vault, which makes me very happy, but it, the vault just got <laughs> a, a paint job. And, and how would you describe the paint job in here, uh, Mary Well, I have to say that everybody that has come to this room has said something like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it is a is a it's some debate as to what color it is: goldenrod, canary yellow. Basically, canary yellow. The, roughly the surface of the sun is very very bright in here. Uh, we we were getting our offices painted, and uh, I tried to convince my staff that this would be a great color for all of our offices, and uh, they basically said that they would all quit if uh, if I painted it elsewhere. But I felt you know what. The vault is is my area, and I'm like, you know what? I'm uh, I'm painting it this color. So. You get away with it. <laughs> well, the thing is, and there will be pictures on our, our website and everything of it. The um, the the thing about it is, yellow. Um, there have studies have shown that being in a yellow room spurs creativity. And there are times, as a writer and a photographer, that I lack creativity. So I, a room that I can draw myself into and maybe get a, a shot of uh, creativity, that's that's good. Plus, I figure we, we record about half the podcasts in here, and I want our guests to be creative when they're chatting with us. So I thought it would be a good yellow color. I'm glad there's something logical behind it, Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just, oh, I really like the color of uh, bright, bright yellow. It was like, uh, no, I want to... Want to spur on our creativity? So, do you? We've been in here for about two minutes. Are you feeling creative yet? I am. Oh, good. Yeah, that's right. I can't wait to see what creative questions we ask our guests. Yes, we have really interesting guests today yeah, with so us. We're doing a we're doing a schools focused uh, uh, podcast, but this one's a little more specific. Yeah, oftentimes we get into faith and and what it is that um, you know why our schools are so important as and um, and what makes them different than public schools. But this time we're going to have a bit more of a legislative conversation about uh, a lot of uh, what goes into our schools from sort of a, a state perspective. Um, you know, in there's often this terminology of separation of church and state uh, when it comes to our parishes and our faith in general. But in reality, particularly in the state of New Jersey, but across the country, uh, Catholic schools are in very much integrated with both the federal government and the and the New Jersey, in our case, New Jersey state government, local governments, county governments even. Um, so there is no true separation in that regard, but we do try to create separate elements. But there are t- areas where we touch on them, so we thought we'd bring in two experts who could talk about some of these, some of this, the small overlaps between our school systems and uh, and the state. So who do we have with us, Marianella? So we truly have the experts with us today. Uh, we have our superintendent of schools, uh, Dr. Bill Watson, and we also have with us uh, for the first time on our podcast, um, Sister Rose DeFleury, who is the assistant superintendent of schools, and she's also in charge of all government programs. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Marinella. Yeah, this Welcome is back, nice. Bill. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bill's been Bill's old hat. We've had him all the time, but Sister Rose has been on the show. This is this is quite the get. We had, uh, wow. We've never had the opportunity before. This is wonderful. Are you excited, Sister Rose? Oh, I, I, I am. I'm excited to tell everybody the the good news about our schools. <laughs> and and no pressure here, but Sister Rose really is the expert in uh, all of all of these uh, the nuances of our of our relationships and what good they do for our schools. Yeah. So you know, I guess either one of you can answer this question. Is I sort of you know ham-fistedly explained uh, sort of this connection between us and state and federal governments. But is is there sort of a uh, better way of explaining what I sort of tripped my way through? 
<laughs> for either one of you. Well, I, th- I think one of the things that I that we like to emphasize is that the funds uh, follow the student. So it is uh, students who receive funds. It isn't the schools. And that's an important distinction uh, because that uh, helps us to maintain our um, our separation, our individuality, our, our, the latitude that we have to be um, religious schools. And um, right. however, our students are still entitled to the same benefits that they would receive if they were in a different type of school. So uh, security benefits, textbook benefits, nursing benefits. Um, our students deserve to receive those, and that's what we, um, that's what we continually work for and, and what they currently receive. But it's no small task to, to keep these uh, benefits coming for our students, and we advocate on their behalf um, with, uh, with these benefits that they receive. Um, and each year, as the budget is uh, put together, there's conversations, at least in the General Assembly in New Jersey, about what to keep, what to cut, what's going up, what's going down. And, and honestly, down to the dime, uh, it has a great deal of effect on our students and what, they're, what the parents are able to provide to send to a, to a Catholic school. So, sister, when it comes to, you know, looking out for these legislative changes, you know, how much of that is your day-to-day work and just how intense is it to stay ahead of everything? Well, around this time of year, it gets pretty intense because uh, the gover- the governor, Governor Murphy's budget will be released on February the 25th of this year. And uh, from that time until the 30th of June, um, Different uh, entities uh, are making are trying to make uh, budget modifications to to his budget f- for whatever their their particular organization is. In our case, it's the uh, non-public schools of the state of New Jersey. So uh, we we will do a lot of uh, advocating. Uh, our schools do ours are advocating mostly through the United States through the New Jersey Catholic Conference. Uh, Dr. George Corwell is our is our main advocate who speaks to the legislators. But uh, what we try to get across to our principles and what is very important for for parents and and all those who are interested in non-public schools is that it is not a given it is never a given what yes we do get um, funds from the state in different categories we also um, have federal funds that flow through the individual school districts as well that we're entitled to but they are never a given in other words uh, we we can't think that we're entitled to them mm-hmm. uh, they 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 are restated each year in the governor's budget and if they if they aren't there they or if if it's the governor's wish or if there's not enough money or whatever they they can be uh, reduced mm-hmm. so each year we uh, you know we pick a few uh, of our main priorities to uh, you know to advocate for in terms of going and talking to the legislative committees that have uh, a say over the budget and that we'll be modifying the budget like I said in different areas between now and mid-June. This year our uh, asks if you will from the uh, from the state of New Jersey uh, in terms of our non-public schools would be to have an increase in what we call chapter 192 193 services they are services for students with special needs remedial services for um, English language arts and mathematics and also speech uh, speech services comes under chapter 193 as well and the per pupil allotment for these services for non-public schools for since 2008 has been $995 per student. 
So this year, we are asking for that to be increased to $1,100 per student. Uh, it's not every student that would receive, um, you know, the the uh, per pupil allotment. It's uh, as I said for students with special needs and who, uh, you know, qualify into the program by by being uh, tested by the uh, individual county counties and or districts, and there would be students who need th those services. So that's the first ask that we have for this year. And then the second one is uh, one that seems to be uh, among our asks every year, and that is for an increase of $50 in the per pupil allotment or the aid in lieu, as we call it, allotment for transportation of non-public school students, in other words, busing. So um, this year and last year and this year, the amount has been uh, $1,000 per per student. Now we are asking for it to be increased to $1,050 per student. I think in terms of perspective, though, it's uh, good to mention the fact that prior to these past two years, the amount uh, of non-public aid for transportation was frozen for yeah. many years, was frozen from like 2008 to 2018 at like uh, $785 per student and then for a while $884 per student. Uh, but the, the intent of the transportation program for non-publics since its inception was that it would increase each year with uh, at least a cost of living increase, cost of prices of gas and so forth. Uh, but that did not happen for many years as it was as it was frozen. So we're still trying to play catch up on that. And even at the $1,000 uh, per pupil, uh, there, there are still some bus companies that, um, that tell us that because we don't have full buses, because we might have a 40 students on a bus and not 54 students, which is the bus capacity, that, uh, you know, they tell us that they really can't, they can't bid on that route because because to get $1,000 per student times 40 students is not going to um, pay their cost to run that that bus route Sister, for the year. Sister Rose, uh, that was such a wonderful sort of like explanation overall. Um, you spoke about the transportation funds being frozen for a while, and we are very excited in the last few years when they've increased, uh, and we're still not done. Can you speak about the Diocese of Candem and the role we played in terms of like sort of like advocacy and helping out? Because these funds are not only for Catholic schools, but for all non-public schools. What was our role in making it happen? Well, at the grassroots level, uh, each school has what we call an advocacy coordinator uh, appointed by the principal. Uh, most, most, most of the time, that's a parent or someone who's you know very, very interested in in helping out the school because maybe they're a former parent or whatever. So we try to um, do a lot of the communication through through those advocates that are in the schools. They are supposed to be. Uh, putting on their website different information like now and it's coming time like I said just last week they put we put out action alerts through these people the action alerts are to um, get folks as many folks as possible that are associated with the school community to email the governor Murphy's office and you know advocate for the two the two um, issues that we have on on the table this year the ones that I just mentioned so that's at the grassroots level uh, also the uh, the folks at the school, whether it be the principal, the advancement person, or the advocacy coordinator, 
uh, have some some have done this more than others, but uh, they put this on their uh, social media pages, and you know once again it's to alert folks who look at those pages that. Uh, that now is a time for us to speak with one voice, as we say. And we had a great response uh, recently on that. So, and it's and it's not just our diocese, though. I will give a lot of credit to our our schools and the diocese in general. Um, so, the manner in which most people do this advocacy is via the New Jersey Catholic Conference, which essentially is. A lobbying group for all five Catholic dioceses in New Jersey. Um, we encourage them with uh, to take certain uh, positions and then talk to the various uh, legislators in the governor's office about things that are important to the the Catholic people of of New Jersey, not South Jersey, all of New Jersey. Um, so these legislative issues, what we ordinarily ask people to do is go to NewJerseyNJCatholic.org. That's NJCatholic.org. That's the homepage for the New Jersey Catholic Conference. And on there is a button uh, for uh, legal initiatives. Click that button, and it takes you to the alerts uh, the alerts page on, for that we should all be aware of. And on those alerts page are already pre-formatted uh, emails that you can send to your legislator. And all you have to do is type in where you're from, either your zip code or your town, and it'll tell you which legislator it is. You sign the form, hit send it, and it'll send it to those legislators. And I am pleased to say on behalf of the Camden Diocese that year after year, uh, um, our schools and our parishes uh, seem to utilize this the most. Uh, we get uh, we get feedback, and uh, for almost every legislative issue, I'm proud to say the Camden Diocese is number one on the list. And sadly, Thank you to by the parents. Far, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of it to the parents, and that was something that I uh, I have a son in Catholic schools, and I have to give um, I have to give the the NJ Catholic Conference, but but as and just as much our schools office um, a lot of credit for going out to the schools and teaching them teaching them how to teach parents how to become good advocates. So they they show them the letters. Sometimes they even uh, will will get them all samples of the letters. This is what you want to send. This is who you want to send it to. When you do it at the parish based level or the or the school based level, you can literally tell them this is your this is your representative, this is your assemblyman, this is your senator. Let this person know that this is what we're advocating for um, because it really does it, it does affect them. If they know that their constituency, if this is something that's important to their constituency, they will respond to it nine times out of ten in the positive. Um, so I have to give a lot of credit to the school's office with, with everything you've done with our teaching our schools how to do this properly. Uh, right, Mike, and this might be a good place to uh, remind everyone that we really need – all parents to respond uh, in the fashion that Mike described by going onto the New Jersey Catholic Conference website and clicking on the link that is called Voter Voice. It really does not take uh, a long time for you to, uh, you know, make your voice be heard through this method. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, just because I go on there and sign my name or whatever, how, how is that going to, to help? And the, we know for a fact that the help is in the numbers. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important for 
like I said, every family in our in all of our schools to represent themselves and to let their voice be heard. The transportation issue is one that uh, we're sure that people who want to uh, have their students use the buses uh, because that's how they need to get to school. We're, we're kind of sure that they've got a vested interest in uh, you know going and sending these letters, but. We really want everyone in the school, even those who transport their children themselves or even people in the parish who don't presently have students in the school, because the strength is truly in the numbers. And it has been absolutely verified that in terms of the legislative offices in Trenton, from the governor's office right on down to the different uh, assembly folks and senators, that they're, that what they pay attention to and what their uh, workers on, on that end are uh, collating uh, are, you know, the fact that we've heard that how many people they've heard from. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, the church has been consistent in, in talking about Catholic schools as the responsibility of all Catholics, right? So if you're a, if you're a person who doesn't have any children in Catholic schools, uh, as members of the, the body of Christ, we are still responsible for, um, the, for Catholic schools, or for Catholic education, and for educating the, the next generation. So there's a, there's a natural connection there in our faith to... Um, to this kind of shared action, right? Mm-hmm. We're supporting the schools. And even if you, you are a parent who has kids in, in a Catholic school, and his sister said, you know, uh, you think, well, you know, it doesn't affect me. I don't, I don't my kids don't take a bus, you know. Well, uh, if you think, you know, some of the schools we have, you know, they have, they have hundreds of kids who take the buses or who take buses to school. And if all of a sudden those buses aren't there, well, that's a hundred, hundreds of kids who uh, might not be able to go to that school at all. So right. on the one, and on the one hand, that's a that's our responsibility to ensure the the viability and the accessibility of our schools. Um, but if you're a parent whose child doesn't use a bus, um, just think about what that school might be absent 150 kids. Yeah. You know, it would be a lot different a place if it was a place at all. You know, so so that so it becomes very Im- important for all of us to sort of um, uh, rec- recognize our responsibility and that and that it really does affect all of us. And you know, something that's important to remember is <laughs> there's an, there's actually a symbiotic relationship here between the Catholic schools and the state and the public schools that are in these communities. If when these if any of these schools were to shut down for reasons like this, that's a sudden influx of all these Catholic schools students who would then have to go to a public school, which becomes a burden on the public school. What people don't realize is it's in our case, that's 12,000 uh, in South Jersey, 11,000 students that don't have to be educated in a public school. We're educating them ourselves. That's that's literally people being taken off of you know, we're talking about a couple thousand dollars here and a couple thousand dollars here spread out over a lot of kids. But the truth of the matter is we're saving millions of dollars Correct. every year by by allowing these or encouraging these students to come to Catholic schools. Has there been a ballpark number as to how much Catholic schools actually save the state by existing? I don't think they use one ballpark number, but they, the uh, individual schools, I think, can get that information from their, yeah, I mean, from I, their uh, geographic location, their district. We, you know, just to use, uh, you know, the, the cost to educate a student in um, a typical Catholic school in the Diocese of Camden is about $7,500. Some are a little bit less, some are a little bit more. It depends on the particular environment, the, mm-hmm. you know, and all, a, lot, a lot of factors that go into it, but 
let's just say $7,500. The cost to, t- to educate a child in a public school on average in New Jersey is closer to 20000 So it's going to be and, – and again, it depends on the on, – you know, some places are twenty five, some places are fifteen, right? So, um, so we're at minimum half of that cost and probably a third right. in, in many places. So – um, it's a real savings to to taxpayers um, that Catholic schools are are doing this work for considerably lower um, for considerably lower cost um, to certainly to the taxpayers yeah. and uh, not a lower no quality yeah. yeah and no yeah. no drop in quality because we still have to meet all the same state rules same that all the yeah. same standards all the schools do but we're doing it for for far less money and well, and, and so if if because oftentimes well you know you're a private school you shouldn't we should, the state shouldn't be giving you anything you're also faith based we shouldn't be giving you anything at you're all you're taking but, my question Mike <laughs> well, by all means say, say it more no, articulate no. say it more articulately than I will no 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 I was just gonna say like you know for those listeners that may be sort of like thinking exactly what Mike was talking about like uh, you're a private Catholic school why should we be spend like the state be spending money on you know Catholic schools uh, and it, it's not really on Catholic schools Bill uh, mentioned at the beginning of the um, show that basically the funds follow the students can you spend a little bit more on that and how would you sort of like defend our point well, sure so um you know, think about you know parents. The, the the church has always taught, and I think it's you know this is not you know exclusive to the you know the the Catholic Church, although it is Catholic teaching. It just sort of makes sense. Parents are the first educators of their children, right? No matter where you are, um, and and because of that, our position as parents should have a choice in where they send their kids uh, to school because parents want to educate their, their children in a particular way. Uh, and in our case, that means that we provide an environment of faith, we provide an environment uh, you know, where religion is taught, and, and really where we believe that the goal of education is um, to uh, fulfill who God intended us to be. And that's a positive good for everybody, including for society. Now that said, you know, the, and as Mike mentioned, you know, the academic uh, experience in a Catholic school is, um, is outstanding, I would argue. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm biased, right? I'm the superintendent, <laughs> so I'm going to say that. But, I, but I don't ju- I'm not just saying that because of that. You're right? also so, a parent, too. Right. I'm a parent with kids in Catholic schools. I see the data. I know the, I know the things. I know what all of the, eff- the, you know, the efforts that we're making um, to maintain that excellence. So, um, you know, I have a, I have a uh, and, and we, t- we take that very seriously. So when we look at our curriculum, um, you know, the kids who are going to Catholic schools are getting a very high-quality math education, a very high-quality language arts education, a very high-quality science, social studies, you know, the, the whole bit. So when you think about that and you think about a, a, a child, right, to pick a second-grade, you know, student, eight, eight years old, um, that child deserves the best um, and all of the resources that the community at large has to offer to that child. Um, so, for example, you know, a simple one is textbooks. You know, there's an allocation that the state provides to each child in a non-public school, so the school can buy books for the kid. Um, but th- that's those are funds that, and and you know, we don't use that for religious textbooks. We buy the math textbooks mm-hmm. with that, or whatever the case may be. Um, and that helps that student get the um, 
the education that that he or she deserves right so there's a there's a sort of equal playing field in terms of the resources that are available to kids whose parents choose to send them to different schools uh, or different types of schools and so um, when you think about it from the perspective of the child and think about it from the perspective of a student um, the student deserves uh, no matter where they go to school an outstanding education. Mm-hmm. Now, the parents are choosing a Catholic school for reasons that are, you know, varied uh, by the by the uh, by the parent, and we respect their right to choose a Catholic school. But that doesn't change the fact that the child deserves the same level of resources in order to be able to uh, pursue his or her education. And you know, I I, I just want to follow up on like you mentioned that the cost to educate is close to eight thousand dollars. Uh, and I just want to clarify for parents, potential parents that we may have out there thinking, wow, so that's what I'm going to pay. Actually, you're paying less than that because uh, that's not our tuition usually. Like, it's lower than that. So we uh, help with fundraising and sort of like, you know, the uh, state government help that we get also uh, comprise that price. Right, Bill? Yes, right. So the, the cost to educate um, includes uh, tuition, of course. Uh, it also includes the fundraising and, and um, advancement efforts that the schools make. Um, in the case of uh, elementary schools, there's also parish su- support. We do that through uh, um, really among Catholic schools, uh, among dioceses, uh, you know, a pretty, um, I want to say innovative approach of, in a sense, pooling the parish funds so that they can, so that grants can be made to schools, um, to help offset the cost of that cost to educate, um, grants are made to the schools in order to continue to provide the high quality education that they do in, in, in lots of different Correct. ways. Um, so there's the, the, the support of the church, there's the, uh, uh, fundraising and advancement. There's tuition, and then there uh, there are the grants that come from the. I mean, I, I'm using the term grant, but the um, the allocations that come from the state on a per student basis of, of the kinds that we've been talking about here. And so that that whole picture kind of contributes um, to what that cost to educate is. And uh, just to follow up on on what you said, Bill, about the uh, textbook allocations. Uh, I think another important area that we, that we would like to highlight and we would like people to, to know this if they don't already is the, the money that uh, our non-public schools get and have gotten for I think this is the third year now or maybe the fourth uh, for uh, security enhancement for the schools and we certainly all know because we listen to the news every day and tragically we hear a lot about uh, shootings in schools and and in faith-based uh, organizations, places of worship, and so forth. And so, in uh, three years ago, three years ago, for the first time, the uh, non-public schools were given a, a security allotment of fifty dollars per student to um, you know make some uh, security enhancements. And then the following year, it was increased to seventy-five dollars. And now, for the last two years, it's been one hundred and fifty dollars per student. And we we really uh, owe you know owe a debt of gratitude to uh, to the state of New Jersey for doing this because in the beginning when they uh, first of all non-publics didn't get any money so there was a, definitely a disparity between our own students and our students who attend non-public schools and the students who attend the public schools. Then when it was fifty dollars, well, it was like that was great, but that still wasn't on a parity with uh, with the uh, public school students. And so uh, the way it is now, the 
uh, estimate for uh, a per pupil allotment for security in in the budget in public schools is uh, 138 dollars per student so we are now on a par actually a little bit better than par uh, in getting $150 per student. This has allowed our schools to do a lot of things, uh, both inside the building and outside the building, making parking lots more secure, making windows uh, bulletproof, uh, getting uh, more sophisticated camera um, and surveillance equipment, both you know in the, in the main office of the school and around the school. So um, th- these are uh, uh, many, many things that our schools uh, need but would have struggled yeah. to provide for themselves. And, and, and I would just sort of say, go back to that eight-year-old student, right? Um, no matter where that student goes to school, they deserve a secure and safe environment. And our schools have always um, uh, provided that, a secure and safe environment. And this is a way for us to um, c- ensure that we continue. So uh, to continue to do that. Um, you know, and, and also to just sort of tie that back in, Marianella, to what you asked about the, the cost to educate and, and how tuition plays into that. Um, if the funds for, say, keeping the security did not come from this particular uh, allocation, then those are funds that, that we would, in order to provide a secure environment, we'd spend. Um, but it would be from, you know, basically, you know, a limited pool of funds, right? So the parish funds that I spoke about earlier, that there's a limited pool of those funds. Uh, tuition is a great sacrifice for many families. Um, and every family sacrifices something uh, to send their, to send their uh, kids to Catholic school. So um, those funds are, uh, we, 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 we are uh, careful stewards of those funds. And, and I think we are just as careful of the, of the funds that we get, as as Sister said, uh, you know, we're very grateful to uh, the legislators who champion these things uh, and and recognize that that our our students um, deserve these uh, realities in their school every bit as much as as any other student. That's wonderful, Bill and and Sister Rose. Anybody of you could answer this. Um, the there could be somebody out there thinking if the public schools are doing this with around like $20,000 a year, between 15000 to 20000 a year. How can Catholic schools do it for almost like half the price? Like how, how is this possible? Well, there's a, num- a number of ways. Um, one of the things I, I can say uh, that the, uh, all of the educators in Catholic schools, uh, principals, teachers, are extremely resourceful. Um, extremely <laughs> resourceful. Uh, they don't waste a thing uh, from uh, paper to time, you know. And that's really important, I think, um, you know, that we, you know, every minute matters in, a, in, in school. And we, um, we do a lot with a little. Uh, the other thing that I would be remiss if I did not say this because it's really right there at the top. The, those same principals and teachers who are in our schools, I uh, spoke of the sacrifice that parents make uh, to be, uh, for their children to be in, in a Catholic school. Uh, every principal, every teacher in a Catholic school also makes a sacrifice. Um, it is not a secret, I don't think, that their salaries could be uh, greater if they chose to teach in a public school, um, which is the primary uh, other option that uh, that a teacher would have. Um, and I would also be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, we would love f- to honor uh, our teachers with the salaries that they truly deserve, which I would argue would probably exceed those that are in, in public schools. The financial realities of our schools are, are not there. Um, so 
um, we have to recognize the uh, incredible sacrifice that the wonderful people uh, who uh, teach and lead our Catholic schools make. And, and that is, you know, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, what's the secret sauce in the, uh, that makes a Catholic school uh, that sort of sustains our excellence. And, you know, in another podcast, we could talk about that. I've got a, <laughs> a lot of thoughts on that. There you go, but, Mike. <laughs> I always want more Close options. to the top of that list is the absolute dedication of the people who lead and teach in the Catholic schools. So they are uh, first rate. And uh, they're there because they want to be there, and they're there because they love it, and above all, they love children. Uh, and so I think that's part of the reason But you know, to answer to your question. Perfect. Thank you. You know, uh, so we've been talking about a couple of the, the different issues uh, affecting us in the here and now. Something that's often debated um, across the country, uh, it's even been brought up in the last couple of presidential elections, uh, is this notion of uh, school choice or vouchers. Uh, that's something that uh, we've been advocating and as part of the Catholic Church in New Jersey for, for some time. But, um, Bill, could you kind of explain a little bit, and, and Sister Rose as well, um, you know, sort of what what the benefit to a voucher system or a school choice system would be for both the schools and, and the state as well? Sure. So um, uh, when you talk about uh, parental choice or school choice programs, uh, they usually fall into two different, kind, two different categories. Um, one of which, and it's, it's the less popular category, is, is a voucher, um, which is uh, funds that come directly from uh, tax pay, tax, taxpayer uh, money, the, the taxes that are paid to the state, and those funds go to uh, parents who qualify for them to send their children to a uh, non-public school, a tuition uh, institution, in our case, Catholic schools, a tuition-based school. Uh, the second is uh, tax, tax credit scholarships, uh, which uh, basically a large corporate or any corporation, really, and in some cases individuals, can provide a uh, can make a contribution to a scholarship granting agency and um, reduce their tax obligation to the state so it's the sort of other side of of that uh, coin which is that the the those uh, taxes are not collected in the in the first place so the kids so uh, the money comes from the from the corporations um, now in both of those cases there are uh, sort of strict requirements on it's, it's a scholarship process right so it's not there for anybody it's not sort of thing handing out free money that sort of thing it generally uh, applies to parents who uh, cannot otherwise afford to send their children to the school of their choice and so again with in terms of catholic teaching we believe the parents are the first educators of their children and we believe that they uh, therefore should have a choice to send their children to any any school they like um, and usually uh, for for a lot of catholic parents that's a catholic school um, so in most states those uh, types of grants or vouchers where they exist or scholarships are available to kids um, who uh, have you know very sort of low uh, whose families have low income and or who are in uh, schools, public schools that are failing. Mm-hmm. So often those two things will, will kind of go together. Um, and so the benefit to the parents is, you know, we believe uh, an outstanding uh-huh. education, an educational option that is not failing, uh, an educational option that is that, that works. Uh, the benefit to the state uh, is that, you know, we spoke about the cost to educate uh, each child in a in a public school, 
which actually tends to be much higher in places where the public schools are are uh, not as effective. You know, sort of ironically. Um, so the fewer children you have in those schools, then the fewer uh, the the, the less large dollar allocation you have to have to those schools, so to speak, right? So you don't, you're not spending that money per child, you're spending whatever the cost of the, of the lost revenue in taxes, or um, and maybe I'm not saying that correctly, or the or the voucher. So um, there are over half of the states in the uh, in the United States currently have uh, a system like that uh, in place, and uh, I know in New Jersey um, about ten years ago there was a uh, you know a strong push for that a lot of uh, kind of a groundswell of support for mm-hmm. it it obviously didn't uh, didn't go through um, but I think there's a lot of things happening I mean the, the momentum for school choice uh, programs like tax credit scholarships uh, across the country is you know far different today than it was a decade ago so um, you know you know you never know what could happen you know and I think that's that's an important um, that could be. Uh, an important uh, development for families who desire Catholic school for their for their children in New Jersey. Yeah, just as as we were talking, it got me to thinking. We've talked about public schools, and we've talk, been talking about private schools. Uh, certainly, our our Catholic schools fall into that. Um, what are some other what other entities have private schools that that tend to partner with us when it comes to supporting these kinds of initiatives to increase funding for our for our students? Most of the private schools in the state of New Jersey are religious-based uh, schools, mm-hmm. Jewish schools, Christian schools, uh, some independent independent schools. Uh, I sit on a on a board uh, which is called the Non-Public School Advisory Committee uh, from the state of New Jersey. And so when when things are being decided or regulations come down and finding out which ones uh, apply to non-publics and which ones don't, like there are about 20 people that represent their different, uh, for the most part, like I said, religious organizations that sit at the table in terms of this advisory committee and, you know, have part have part in those discussions. And... Um in the last 10 years or so, probably, maybe maybe a little further back than that, um, the new buzzword or what has been a buzzword in, in education has been charter schools. So how do – I'll be completely honest. I've never understood the concept of charter schools. So how do charter schools sort of fit into this public school, private school map? Yeah, so I can um, uh, take take a shot at that. I I have to say also that we do have a uh, school choice parental choice expert in our midst here in uh, Marianella Nunez. <laughs> yes, uh, you may not know that about Marianella that she is uh, she was selected as a, uh, a fellow um, in a cohort uh, to uh, basically study school choice in different uh, aspects of the country in different places of the country. So. Uh, Marianella, if I, if I could take you away from your hosting responsibilities to uh, check my check my conversation or check I, my explanation. I love it when our hosts are put on the spot. So I think this is great. <laughs> Go get her. All right. Uh, so let me uh, maybe I'll start and then you can you can Go kind ahead. of jump in there. Charter schools are uh, publicly funded schools, um, and in New Jersey um, there are different types. There are uh, publicly funded schools that are. Um, run by their own charter management organization uh, that receive a per-pupil allotment that does not go to the public school. Um, and uh, they are accountable to the state in almost every way that a, that a public school is, except uh, they have a wide 
um, range of they have a lot of latitude in defining their school culture and defining their um, their academics. They take a lot of different kinds of approaches. Um, usually on the on the um, yeah, I mean, the idea behind the charter school is that the uh, regulatory, the right, you know, regulation um, that is provided by the state uh, or even, you know, a locality can become oppressive and unmanageable. Um, so there's an element, a lot of element of local control to a to a charter school um, that is maybe sort of a different kind of public school. Yeah, and I have to say the charter schools also uh, do not receive as much as the public schools, so they're close to what we are in the cost to educate. They have to fight every year for those funds, uh, and but they get sort of like the whole cost to educate the child in that particular school. And they're accountable to the government in many ways and sort of like the ways they do their assessment and, and you know, they don't have as much uh, freedom as we do in Catholic schools because uh, our parents are the ones that pay for tuition. Um, and so they're with us in the fight of sort of like school choice and, and that movement uh, because they do have to sort of like fight every year for those funds. It's um, very interesting because uh, what I when I think of charter schools, Mike, you were sort of like, Uh, saying you didn't understand that model that much. What I think is uh, that charter schools sort of like mimic uh, the tradition of Catholic schools. Uh, They took uh, uniforms and sort of like um, their emphasis on academics, but they couldn't take the faith with them, right? So um, I, and also the tradition of Catholic schools, like we're mostly like older schools that have been alive for years and educating children. Uh, a lot of the charter schools have been sort of like recently uh, created. And so I'm not, I'm not going to get into uh, quality there, but if you think of like, you know, a school that's been around for many years uh, and trying to be innovative and, you know, continue to provide a good education for your children, that's what I think of Catholic schools. And plus, uh, we have the big, big plus, which is God in, our, in the center of our base. And, and that, I, you know, I, I have to, for those who are really interested in this sort of um, there's a uh, Kathleen Porter McGee, who is the superintendent of the partnership schools in New York City, uh, recently wrote about it's like about a five page, you know, uh, paper. Right. So it's but it's very accessible. It's not, you know, highly academic. But it, the, the name of it, I think, sort of proves the point here. It's called Catholic on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so the charter schools often are Catholic on the outside. Right. As Marianella said, they um, they uh, have uniforms and they um, really instill discipline in their students and so forth. Um, and and again, I think the teach, teachers everywhere care. They care deeply. But one of the things that I think is absolutely essential to who we are is that we're Catholic on the inside. And we treat, I mean, it, every person uh, comes to the, every teacher comes to the table uh, knowing that each child is made in the image and likeness of God. And that is such an important driver of, of what we do. Um, and when you have the parents um, uh, the, believing that, and uh, choosing the school for that reason because the school uh, believes that. Uh, and together, the parents and the students and the teachers are inviting God together into those relationships. Uh, that just makes us special. And, and, and 
uh, charter schools, although they can they can implement a lot of sort of surface details, uh, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's an important difference between our schools and charter schools. And I think you know, as Marion Ellis said, it's um, it really makes a difference. Yeah. I'm curious, Sister Rose, uh, how much of your life is tied up in the minutiae of uh, legislative antics? Um, I, I would say in terms of uh, my job in general, probably about 75% is mm-hmm. you know related. I, I've t- attempted to get into this from time to time and realize that uh, it's it's a very uh, specific and esoteric kind of uh, of an effort, but it's also one that's so incredibly important. You know, I, I think a lot of... You know, in this day and age, we get very comfortable with, well, we figure out whatever the buzzword is regarding whatever that divisive issue that's that's uh, that we're fighting against. Um, but the truth of the matter is it takes a lot of getting into the details and into the weeds to understand some of this stuff, particularly when you're talking to legislators and, and other legislative outlets. Um, is this the kind of thing that uh, took you a little time to get your mind wrapped around, or did you have some natural inclina- inclination <laughs> to uh, to fall into this? Well, no, it did take a little time, except uh, I've been here for a long time. I've been here <laughs> over 20 years now, so I've kind of seen the ebb and flow of uh, all things legislative with the state of New Jersey. But, um, yeah, I came from Pennsylvania. I, I was a, an administrator in schools in Pennsylvania before I moved to New Jersey, and that was about 25 years ago. But... Uh, while Pennsylvania and New Jersey to this day have some similarities in terms of uh, the Catholic schools and the way uh, the the way they relate to the state, there are also some different things. And so, uh, any uh, of our administrators who are coming on board, um, I mean, part of my job is to you know kind of train the trainers. Uh, thing and some of our administrators who are coming from uh, their first time principal or they haven't been a principal before in the state of New Jersey, yeah, there's a there's a a bulk of, uh, you know, minutia, as you say, that 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 you need to be aware of. But uh, in terms of the uh, school choice issue, I would just add that uh, over my time here, there have been two distinct times, uh, not not recently, not in the last five or six years, but two distinct times when uh, New Jersey the, the, there was a bill afloat about school choice that was. Uh, in, in one case, the one 10 years ago, was uh, on the verge of passing, the, mm-hmm. passing the, the legislature and, and becoming, becoming a law. Uh, both of those were, um, were defeated. And the, uh, the problem in the state of New Jersey, as, as uh, we come to understand from, you know, from the advocating that we do, is that, the, that New Jersey has a very strong teachers' union teachers in the public schools, the NJEA, New Jersey Educational Association. And any time there is uh, legislation, that it, uh, pending legislation regarding school choice, uh, there's a lot of pushback from the um, powers that be at the NJEA and, and, and from the public schools. It stems, I think, from a basic misunderstanding that uh, the folks in public schools have. They they, their argument that they use is, no, we don't want to hear anything about school choice because that would be taking money away from our students, from the students that we teach every day in the public schools. And, and that's where there's a basic misunderstanding because when you're talking about the, the two form, ways of funding school choice that, that Dr. Watson alluded to before, uh, it's not money that would otherwise be going to students in the public school. And I think that's the mis- the misnomer there, the misunderstanding. Uh, so, uh, but it's also important to understand that just because uh, right now there is not a bill afloat regarding um, 
school choice it's always being uh talked about behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and the uh main main thing that has to happen is that you some needs to get a legislator or a group of legislators who are willing to go out on that limb and sponsor such a bill so there's a lot of private conversations between uh, the heads of the organizations that are uh have the non-public schools in new jersey certainly on the part of the catholic conference uh and you know just to say to even to listeners out there that you know, anytime anyone has an opportunity to speak to a legislator and has students in non-public school or, you know, cares about students in non-public school, uh, that would be the time to, you know, bring up, bring up the topic of school choice because the more the legislators hear it, the more it might take, uh, you know, take on a yeah. form again. And you bring up a great point. Uh, see, we were talking earlier about the uh, voter, voter voice um, app on the njcatholic.org website as part of the New Jersey Catholic Conference and the advocacy that we do. But, you know, that doesn't mean that needs to be the only way you communicate with your legislator. I mean, if this is something that's really important to you, feel free. You can make an appointment with your legislator. You can send them, you can send them a snail mail. I often hear that, that, you know, regular postal mail is still the most impressive way is is when they hear that because they keep a record of it. They know where you're from. And uh, when when that paper piles high on their desk, they particularly take note of it um, but at the same time if you're in an event and a legislator is there and this is something that's important to you feel free to bring it up to them you know I think there's oftentimes we get the the impression that there's sort of this distance between legislators and 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 voters and, and citizens in a particular area but actually you know they're there to be our representatives they're there to hear what we have to say and if we're not saying anything and we're not saying it loudly and we're not saying it often they're not going to hear it they're only going to hear the from the groups that do talk loudly and and as a parent of or as a, a child of both a um a Catholic school teacher and a public school teacher. Uh, I remember back in the day just how powerful the NJEA was and just how much money they would spend to, to make sure that uh, their voice was heard. And it was, and I'm ha- pleased to see that uh, the Catholic uh, school systems of, uh, of both uh, South Jersey and all the way up through New Jersey have certainly learned some of those tactics and uh, we're, we're now uh, doing a better job of, of advocating for our schools. The mere fact, I mean, you were talking about the security measures. Um, that's something that you has been very apparent. My son is in sixth grade right now. Is at uh, St. Michael school in Clayton. And, um, since the time he joined there in kindergarten till now, I've seen it's a lot harder to get into that school. Which uh, I, you know, I'm of, I'm of two minds about. It, I'll Should admit, uh, as a as a parent, I think that's oh, thank goodness, I wanted to be more like Fort Knox. But it also goes to I'm an alumni of that school from when it was uh, under a different name, and uh, it was it was basically like in farmland, and everything was open. You could walk into it every day. So there's a part of me that, that things have changed. Well, it's, it's the reality of the the culture that we live in now, yeah, and, we, right. we, and we we have to be accepting of it. So on the one hand, it's kind of a gut punch, but on the other hand, I'm like, yep, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's happening because I want my child to be safe. And and you know, credit where credit is due, I'm really pleased that um, that our legislators brought that security funding to the Catholic schools. I, I I do thank them. I think that's wonderful. Mike, let me put you on the spot. How many Catholics do we have in the diocese? How many Catholics do we have in the diocese? Our last estimation was 450,000 Catholics in the six southern uh, counties of New Jersey. 
Well, I'm going to be hopeful that uh, Talking Catholic has such a big, big audience. And uh, I'm going to invite you to sort of like uh, consider these things. This is uh, an important mission of our church. Uh, Catholic education is not only important, as Bill uh, said at the beginning, for parents, but uh, all Catholics are responsible for uh, making sure that we keep our Catholic schools alive, that we are providing a great Catholic education to the children that sort of like want to take advantage in the parents of that uh, environment. And so it's important that not only uh, the parents, but the grandparents, the cousins, the, yeah. the everybody who's Catholic, uh, and and those even that are not Catholic, but that like what we do, that they support us on sort of like this movement. Yeah. Every parent uh, that is uh, already in a Catholic school is part of the movement actively already because you are sort of like um, taking advantage of your right of t- giving to your child the education that you think is the best for that child. So uh, please uh, make sort of like the movement part of your life and, and part of your daily conversation so that people know more about it. You need to uh, educate people on the fact that advocacy does work and is not uh, much about exactly how you say it, but it's about the, making the, your voice count and making those numbers grow. And, and, and not just with Catholics, but like Sister Rose was saying earlier, uh, advocating with our sisters and brothers in other faiths as well, uh, the, our, our Jewish sisters and brothers, and our Baptist sisters and brothers, and our Methodist sisters and brothers. All of our brothers. Uh, all, all of our <laughs> other sisters. Christian brothers and sisters uh, who have an, any, any faith foundation and any private school that, um, that should be receiving these funds or should be receiving more funds to, to benefit everyone. Yeah. You know, this is, it's a better world. It really There's is. There's Catholic schools. <laughs> but like like uh, Dr. Watson was saying, you know, these students deserve to have everything that any other student would have. And they shouldn't be, it, sh- it shouldn't be held against them if they are going to a, a private school, a Catholic school, a Christian school, a Jewish school. Um, sure. I think that's, I think that's important. That's great. You know? I now, think... we're still in the yellow room. Did you feel like your questions were more creative? Because I, I got to tell you. <laughs> I did feel like your questions were more creative today. You did. I did, Marion. Oh, my God. Yes. So the yellow must be doing so, its effect. So you go tell everyone else that the yellow room had a positive effect on uh, on our podcast. You know, you, uh, you know, I asked uh, John Kalitz if there was a particular reason for the yellow, and he couldn't tell me. So I was glad that you really gave a uh, throughout I'm, explanation yeah. at the beginning of the show. I also wanted all of my doors painted red, too, but that, uh, that didn't oh, happen. Oh, please. I, I lost that one. <laughs> you know, I can say having been a guest in you know and to the vault multiple times mm-hmm. and and had you know conversations, there you know you're talking about some stuff that's pretty serious. You're a little bit on the spot. You know it can be draining, mm-hmm. uh, but I will say this for I am not drained after this. Now of course I'm energetic about the topic, <laughs> but maybe the yellow walls have something to do with it. Right? So, it's just bringing really energy, exactly giving us energy and and making uh, giving us a, a bright outlook. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. Let's be honest. The vault was disgusting prior. <laughs> we finally cleaned it out. It's it had very been clean. In Thirty yeah. years. So yeah, I'm, maybe I'm, that has something to do that, with it too. That might have had something to do with it. Well, thank you everybody for listening, and uh, we we're, hope you'll uh, take this opportunity to go out and uh, advocate for our Catholic schools. And as always, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.